mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a special report ahead of the August special election, a candid discussion about issue one, and why the question Ohioans are being asked to vote on goes much deeper than the soundbite campaigning would lead you to believe. Also this morning, tornadoes in North Carolina earlier this month severely damaged a Pfizer facility, leading the company to warn about possible hospital-grade medication shortages. How long before any supply disruption becomes critical? We speak with Dr. Bill Coe's Blanchard Valley Health System. And a day early, we have a special collection of fresh-from-the-garden recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, July 27th, 2023. So the plea deal... Uh, between Hunter Biden and federal prosecutors uh, fell apart. Well, it hasn't really fallen apart yet. This is the thing, and and the way the reporting is uh, seems to be, uh, I don't want to say misleading, but at one point the judge uh, kind of quipped, is this even constitutional? And so a lot of folks jumped on that as the judge questioning the constitutionality of the plea deal. But I, I really don't think, I think that was bit of a red herring. I, I think that was uh, hyperbole. It's not really a matter of constitution. It's not a qu- constitutional question uh, on that. What appears to be the sticking point here is whether or not the president's son with this plea deal will get immunity from future charges. And the prosecutors in the case uh, said in court yesterday that, no, this does not any, include any immunity from future charges. Apparently, Hunter Biden's lawyers were under the impression that it did, and uh, so they objected to that and were ready to tear up the deal right then and there. And uh, and the judge basically said, well, not going to let anyone plead to a deal that they don't fully understand, and it's clear that there is a misunderstanding about the terms of this deal. She actually said that she is not going to uh, reject the deal, She's not going to accept the deal. She's not making any ruling until both sides can kind of hammer out the details and everyone is clear as to what the deal actually entails. So it's basically up in the air as of right now. So we'll see where it goes uh, from here. But that was a a bit of a shocker. And then there was the uh, story with Mitch McConnell uh, yesterday had some sort, it appeared to be some sort of medical episode uh, during a press conference with reporters in the Capitol. And um, it was actually kind of a frightening moment. Uh, it was really hard to watch the video uh, of this as uh, Mitch McConnell sort of blanked out for 20 seconds or so uh, while speaking to reporters, had to be led back to his office by other senators uh, that were there. And then he came out a little bit later, said he was fine, he was just feeling lightheaded and so on. But a lot of people speculating that it might be much more than that. So again, we'll see where that story goes. So there were some big news stories yesterday, but I think the biggest of them all had to be the subcommittee in the House hearing testimony from former government and military officials who claim that the U.S. government has been secretly retrieving and investigating Unidentified flying objects for decades. It's the UFO hearing. I think it was the biggest story yesterday. I mean, this is just... I 
don't want to say it's crazy. It's weird. It's just unusual. We're having this uh, discussion about uh, UFOs or unidentified aerial phenomena, as the government technically refers to it. The uh, Pentagon has denied the claim outright that they have been secretly retrieving and investigating unidentified flying objects and the remains of non-human beings. The Pentagon says, no, it's all bunk. It's not happening. Um, But uh, there have been documented cases of unidentified flying objects, although, as a lot of people have pointed out, and accurately so, unidentified objects are just that. Unidentified does not necessarily mean they are... um, extraterrestrial in nature uh, or alien in origin. In any case, a retired major told Congress under oath that he has interviewed officials who had direct knowledge of recovered objects with non-human origins. So, would we even know how to translate a message from another planet? This is kind of interesting. A project called a sign in space is practicing intercepting communications from out of this world. So whether you believe that we have actually already had these close encounters with this uh, hearing in the house yesterday, I think most people believe that in the vastness of the universe, there have to be some living beings on some other planet in some other solar system somewhere, right? We can't be alone. And eventually, maybe, perhaps, maybe even there's a likelihood that there will be contact from outer space. But would we know how to translate that message from another planet? I mean, we've been sending messages out into space uh, for many, many years. Uh, and you have to wonder, what if the aliens don't speak English? Would they know what we're saying? Well, would we know what they are saying? So this uh, project, uh, it's a group of artists and scientists uh, transmitting a message from Mars uh, from Mars orbit to Earth, uh, which was then decoded as sort of a practice run for intercepting alien messages from space. Receiving a message from an extraterrestrial civilization would be a profoundly transformational experience for all of humankind, according to artist and radio operator Daniela DePolis. A sign in space, the A Sign in Space project, offers the unprecedented opportunity to tangibly rehearse and prepare for this scenario. Kind of interesting. Was, uh, we're practicing retrieving messages from space. Um, and what... What's to say that aliens are necessarily exploring Earth? I mean, we're exploring other planets in the solar system, most notably Mars. We want to go to Mars. Would it not be logical that perhaps uh, alien beings would want to explore those other planets in our solar system as well? Apparently, scientists say an alien spaceship crash landing cannot be ruled out as the cause of the strange pointy protrusions found on Mars. In April, the Curiosity rover, NASA's Curiosity rover, 
photographed what appeared to be rows of spikes, plates, and wedges protruding from the rocks uh, on the at the bottom of a crater, uh, a giant crater on the planet Mars. This crater is like 96 miles wide, so it's huge. And at the time, uh, astrobiologist Dr. Natalie Cabrol, 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 K, uh, C-A-B-R-O-L, Dr. Natalie Cabrol of the NASA Ames Research Center and Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute said it was the most bizarre rock that she had ever seen in 20 years of studying the Red Planet. Rows of spikes, plates, and wedges protruding from the rocks. Uh, It was thought that it was just some sort of natural formation, but now a new paper published in the Journal, Journal of Astrobiology concludes that the formations might be sand spikes similar to those known to form on Earth in waterlogged uh, sands during strong earthquakes. So maybe more a sign of uh, water uh, on on Mars and sustainable, uh, that it would be uh, sustainable for, for life? I don't know. But they say they cannot necessarily rule out the crash or remnants of a crash landing of an alien object. So... I know all kinds of crazy extraterrestrial stuff uh, coming out right now. Suddenly is in the news. There must be a reason that all of this stuff is in the news right now. I don't know what it is, but there must be a reason. A couple of other uh, items, big news items here. Among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day for the fifth year, Aldi has released its fan favorites report. So this is big news. Uh, In a press release, uh, Aldi says our loyal shoppers are always vocal about their love for our products. And over 70,000 of them sang uh, sang the praises in this year's fan favorites survey. Uh, Scott Patton, spokesperson for Aldi, said the some of the winners, the fan favorites category for Aldi products. Do you shop at Aldi? My wife and I do. Uh, get some good deals there. Uh, the uh, Belletti Sparkling Moscato Rosé won the Raise a Glass category uh, from the uh, Aldi Fan Favorites survey. Happy Farms String Cheese is the snack that shoppers can't seem to get enough of. Other favorites from the list include avocados, Kirkwood Fresh Chicken, and Clancy's Kettle Chips. Friendly Farms Cottage Cheese uh, had a moment of its own, won the newest category for 2023. TikTok made me buy it. <laughs> they got it. So how many of those products end up in your shopping cart when you go to Aldi? Many fan favorites. And uh, again, circling back to the uh, Hunter Biden question, apparently uh, Hunter Biden is uh, not the only uh, thorn in the side of the president. Uh, The president has uh, other headaches as well. Uh, Apparently, his dog, Commander, uh, Joe Biden's dog, is uh, still making a nuisance of himself in the the, uh, White House. Remember when the president first took office, uh, there were reports that the dogs were not adjusting well to life in the White House and that they had nipped at and bit uh, a number of staffers at the White House. Well, 
apparently Commander, that's the younger dog uh, of the Bidens, is said to have been involved in 10 biting uh, incidents uh, at the White House and at the president's residence in Delaware. The uh, U.S. Secret Service says that they are now concerned about their agent's safety around the German Shepherd. The agency said in one incident, Commander clamped down on an officer's arm and thighs. This happened in November of last year. In another incident in October, the First Lady could not regain control of Commander as he charged a member of the Secret Service's staff. The uh, White House said the Bidens are working on training Commander after the biting incidents. Um, you probably should have trained the dog before you got the White House. Uh <laughs> I don't think that's what the Secret Service signs up for. I mean, I know that the idea of the Secret Service is it would take a bullet for the president. But I'm not sure that uh, they necessarily signed up for <laughs> taking a, a dog bite from the president's own dog in their uh, course of uh, duty. So something's going to have to give with this, uh, with this dog. That's crazy stuff. So Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started here. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. There are about 22,000 customers without power around Ohio from severe storms yesterday. Most of those are near Lake Erie from Toledo to Cleveland. Today, a heat advisory is in effect statewide. The heat index will be 100 degrees or higher. Tomorrow could be even hotter. The Circleville police officer who unleashed a canine on an unarmed truck driver who was surrendering after a police chase has been fired. Isabel Lawrence with Owen and Affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland has more. According to a press release, Officer Ryan Speakman did not meet the standards and expectations for officers of the Circleville Police Department. Following an investigation, including the Circleville Police Use of Force Review Board, it was concluded that the department's policy for use of canines was followed. The release goes on to say that despite criticism of its canine training, the department is up to standard on all state laws and training and that the department has no further comment at this time. An investigation into the incident continues. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell of Kentucky briefly left his own press conference yesterday after stopping his remarks mid-sentence and staring off into space for more than 20 seconds. Other senators led him away, but he returned less than 15 minutes later, appearing much better and told reporters that he was fine. McConnell suffered a concussion back in March when he fell. He was hospitalized for several days and was out of the Senate for six weeks. I'm Dave James on the Ohio News Network. cover story this morning it's a bit of a special report here in the sense that we want to have a a, a deeper discussion about state issue one Um, and kind of the premise here is because i think that the, the the question that ohioans are being asked to vote on actually goes much deeper than just kind of the uh, soundbite campaigning that's being done uh, on this issue. And I've invited uh, Phil Regal to join us this morning. A lot of folks, everybody knows Phil, uh, local attorney, former commissioner, uh, current prosecutor. Um, And it's interesting because you uh, actually started a discussion online about this uh, the other day on your personal uh, Facebook page. And uh, I yep. thought it was uh, I thought it was really interesting some of the uh, the points that were uh, uh, that were brought out, but I do think that this goes broader that this is broader than just uh, the simple question of whether or not it should be more difficult 
uh, to change the Ohio Constitution than it is to change a law. I mean, that's the way this is being framed. But there's this goes beyond just that question, I think. Sure. And, and there's obviously a lot. I mean, politics plays a lot into all this, right? Oh, I mean, I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, there's uh, uh, politics the, and timing of this and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Certainly no all questions. All, yeah. all you know, honestly, this is something that um, um, some of us have been working on, I don't say working on, but, but bringing up to legislature as an issue for over a decade. Yeah. As, a, hey, this is a problem. We, we've got to deal with this because... We, we, we've seen that there is a, uh, uh, a, a movement. To, yeah, a propensity to change when, when initiative groups, uh, be they uh, in, within Ohio or from outside Ohio, uh, want to uh, enact a law, a citizen-initiated uh, law, they go to the constitutional amendment uh, provision to get that done. Right, yeah, rather than the statute position. Rather than the sta- uh, statute. Right. And, uh, and that, I think... Uh, reasonable people on both sides can actually agree that it should be more difficult to change the Constitution than just pass a law. We're talking about that's a big deal to change the Constitution. There should be a higher bar uh, to do that given yeah. the permanency of it. Right. Here's the problem, and this is the counter argument uh, mm-hmm. on this, and this is why I think that this goes beyond just that question. It's true that this amendment does not change the referendum procedure. If, so, if a citizens group wants to enact a law in the state of Ohio, uh, they can do that with a simple majority through uh, changing a statute or initiating right. a yeah, statute. That process is not changed at all through this amendment. The problem is that that uh, procedure or that effort can be basically nullified by a legislature that can just overturn a law. That's within their, and they have done that in the past. It, within a period of time. So the, the so usually, I think, I believe it has to be the next, so it can't be touched during that session. So mm-hmm. the two-year session, it couldn't be, couldn't be touched. So if it, so if it happens uh, at the end of a, end of a session, then that next session, you can't deal with it. So, mm-hmm. the, but then afterwards, then it can be, can be dealt with. So part of the problem is um, with, Putting these things in uh, in as amendments rather than than, than right. statutes is that also though you can't do fixes and so so there are issues you say oh well you know you know well it's or it's much more difficult or to very do very fix. yes very yeah. difficult to do fixes yeah and and, and legislature can't just do fixes so then you got to go through this whole process which is obviously very expensive and everything mm-hmm. like that right you know and, and you know part of the argument I think for, for the yes side which is which I'm a part of mm-hmm. is you know. That's why we have a legislature. We're a republic. We're supposed to, our legislature right. is supposed to have some ability to fix some of these things, and, and and a lot of these things that have been coming down the pike, like like the 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 uh, farm issue, you know, several years ago mm-hmm. with, with animal agriculture, the uh, the drug right. issue, trying to put drug sentencing in the constitution rather than in the statute. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things those things are a should not be in the Constitution. Right. Those things should be in the statute. And if there are changes that need to be made, that's what the legislature's for. Or, and if the legislature screws it up, then they should answer for that. Or, then you run another statute to, to fix it again. Yeah. Um, but again, that becomes uh, a very expensive back and forth uh, a- as well. So, you know, I think that that's one of the uh, of the issues that that comes up is that nullification by the by the legislature, which mm-hmm. is, you know, what a citizen's initiative is designed to uh 
have that last check or have that final mm-hmm. final say um, with respect to uh, citizen initiatives. The other part of issue one that's actually a, a part of this, again, beyond just raising the bar – uh, in terms of the vote of the people to 60% to a super majority in order to pass a, uh, a ballot measure, uh, is the expanded requirements for signatures uh, on these uh, ballot issues mm-hmm. to, even put the, to even put the measure in front of voters. And again, this hasn't been talked about a whole lot, but it right. raises that bar quite a bit as well. Uh, to the point where you have to have signatures from all 88 counties. There is right. no grace period for any uh, disqualified signatures mm-hmm. and so on. That seems that seems a, a, a bit extreme to me. I understand what you're saying. The other, it's the sort of like Cinderella, you know, <laughs> Cinderella, you can go to the ball, but only if you do your chores and all the other sisters' chores and you can escape the I, attic and, and so on and so forth. Pretty soon it becomes pretty obvious that they just don't want to see constitutional amendments at all. I, I And I, I hear what you're saying. The other argument is, though, that shouldn't every county have a say on if some major uh, major issue is going to be put on a ballot for a constitutional shouldn't shouldn't every every part of ohio have a have at least some um agreement that hey yes we should we should be at least discussing this and saying yeah let's 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 let the let's let the people decide on this and this this is an important enough issue where there's enough consensus i mean i think i think the issue what issue one is trying to do is say okay for the Constitution, if we're going to do constitutional amendments, there should be broad consensus. It shouldn't just be a 50% plus one um, standard uh, because the constitutions are supposed to be yeah. changed at a, at, a, at a slower pace. And that's what, the, the quick changes should come in the statutory level, either through initiative or through the legislature. Fair point. But uh, again, my, uh, my counterpoint to that would be we don't know how broad the consensus is if we can't even get the issue on the ballot. But if you can't, if you can't, I mean, a lot of these, I mean, you think about it, these, these counties, though, these are not high bars. I mean, they're just 5% of the electorate who voted in the last gubernatorial election. So we're not talking about huge numbers of people here. You're, but, so you, but, but if you other- can't, get, if you go to a, a, a county and you can't get a small number of voters to agree, yeah, I wish well, it wasn't about, then you say, well, then maybe you don't have a consensus. It, small is in the eye of the beholder. For some uh, people, they may say, you know, 5% is a fairly easy bar to, to reach. Others uh, may see that as a, a, as a higher bar. Uh, but again, it's the, the statewide nature of mm-hmm. having to mobile. And, and here's the other uh, question, and I pose this actually to uh, John Cross, to Representative Cross, when we had him uh, on the program uh, earlier this week. It seems to me that in order to mobilize, if the idea is to prevent outside special interests from hijacking the Ohio Constitution, it seems to me that the kind of mobilization that you would need and the kind of deep pockets you would need to collect that number of signatures on a statewide 88-county basis, uh, about the only people who could afford that and can make that happen would be those special interest groups. I mean, as a grassroots citizen group, that's a pretty high bar to get out to every county. And then again, no wiggle room. If any of those uh, Mm. signatures are disqualified, you got to go back and start all the way over again. Doesn't that actually defeat the purpose and make it more likely that special interest groups would be the ones that could could make that happen. I guess I would say, though, that even at the current level, 
very, very few, if any, citizen-led groups are doing this anyway. It is the, a fair point. The, 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 Most the, of them, if they are, have to have at least the backing of a special right, interest. Right, right. I mean, the, the, a special interest, a large association, they're already doing this. So, so to get to even the 44 counties, you're already going to have to have a large organization. So to 88 is probably not that much different for, for a, a large group because they're going to have to be bankrolling it anyway, even under the current system. I mean, you think about it, you know, Joe Schmo, it hasn't, you know, for, for decades, hasn't been out there saying, Hey, let's, let's, this is a great idea. Let's put it on the ballot. That just, that just doesn't happen. And, and, um, you know, for right or for wrong, I mean, that's just, that's just not the way it works. The way it works is a a special interest. And, and, you know, the one that I'm, uh, I bring up the most is the earth casinos who have, unlimited pockets right and so mm-hmm. they just kept kept trying and trying and trying until they found they finally got the right environment to get it right. in and now it's and it was the constitutional amendment so it couldn't be adjusted right which is which is one of those uh, initiatives again we talk about uh whether a, a a citizen-led initiative should be subject to the whims of the legislature there was one that many in the legislature legislature very much opposed to had that just been a statute might have uh, ended up being overturned or at least you know, tweaked i mean that, and that's and that was that was the problem with that amendment is that you know you have in the in the amendment you have actual parcel numbers of where casinos could be built and the monopoly specific and, the, yeah. and who could own them i mean you so we have a now the monopolies but, issue the monopolies issue was actually uh was actually addressed by the uh, legislature uh which outlawed uh, monopolies being written into constitutional uh, initiatives. Correct. Uh, ironically, that itself a, con- a, a a constitutional change, which passed f- with fifty one percent of the vote. Yes, I mean, it, th- thankfully it was it got th- I mean through. I think that was a good, but change. with only fifty one percent of yes. the vote. Yep. So it's not a, a not a lost point. No, it isn't. It, it, and if, but if you look at most of the um, most of the. I guess the broad consensus things. Sixty percent has not been a bar to most of those. I mean, the, right. the, the broad things. There, there, there are a small number of what do I say? Cultural issues that have been close within that you know right. that that ten percent extra range. But the the ones that have you know look back through the last decade plus. I mean, most of the stuff that have broad cultural plays, sixty percent is not yeah. not a problem. And and just to. Uh, make sure that we make this point before we we finish uh because this also is an important uh important point this is not about any one particular issue per se i mean most right. uh most people will uh use the abortion amendment which will right. be on the november ballot yep. uh as and there's no question that it's partly about that that's the reason why we're having this that's discussion right. in august uh, yep, that's right um which, by the way, reversed the legislature's own law yep. against August elections. Right. Which kind of goes back to making the point of citizen-led initiatives right. can be over overturned by the legislature. They don't if they don't follow their own laws. Right. Um, they'll be quick to overturn yeah. uh, citizen-initiated laws. But this uh, applies to obviously all future uh, right. amendments. So we're talking recreational marijuana is another one that's uh, coming down the pike. Was But that's a still, statute. They're still trying. The, the, that's if, a statute? Yes. So the okay. one that's for, for November is is a statutory one. So that would yeah. not be affected by this. Okay. Good um, Good point. But there are others that cer- are. Certainly. I mean, there are there are special interests lined up. I mean, there's, there's you know, people, you know, want, there's gun control stuff that's down coming down the pike. There's, that, right. You know, there's. 
lots of other issues, social issues that are that are lining up to, yeah. to, to time for their timing to come down the pike. Because if this were just about the abortion question, this whole conversation would be pointless because people are pretty much lined up on where they feel on that question. If this was just about that, there would be no debate over uh, over issue one. And yet there is. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think it's kind of interesting that there are individuals on both sides of the aisle who are both pro and, and mm-hmm. uh, con on this. Uh, yeah. This is this is touched off a, a, a broader discussion than, again, what the campaigning is. It has. And, and I you know, some of that's good. I think that, you know, you have some yeah. some discussion about how government should work. Should, mm-hmm. should government be this way? You know, how should what should our standards be? Should, should we have the lowest standard for uh, you know, to you know, change our constitution of any state in the, in the country. I mean, should yes citizens no. should citizens even have the ability to bypass the legislature and pass laws at all? Again, we were speaking with uh, uh, Miss Cross earlier this week. He suggested that he wasn't a big fan of even having the citizens having that ability at all on any level. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that I, I would go that far. I mean, I think there should be some ability to do it. I, I think that, again, I think the 60% threshold is a better threshold than 50% for mm-hmm. changing the Constitution. And I think that there's good arguments for initiatives, you know, for statutes. I mean, I think that that makes some sense, that there is some ability to check check the how legislature. About how about additional guardrails on some of those uh, citizen-led uh, initiatives passed as statutes to make sure that, you know, to give them even more teeth. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily oppose yeah. that for a, maybe a, a longer because again, that's work why in a time. Lot of special <laughs> interests are gone after the the constitutional right. process. Right. I mean, some, maybe a longer lock in time. Maybe that would yeah. be be helpful. You know, you know, you or yeah, you know, I, I don't know. There's, I'm sure there's ways to do that, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to those sorts of things. I mean, if the, you know, again. The, the statute area should be where we should be dealing with this stuff um, for, for these cultural issues. To me, the, these things don't belong in the Constitution. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, state issue one, much deeper issues and much broader issues than just the uh, campaigning, which is that's the way it always is, mm-hmm. frankly. But uh, uh, a lot of stuff worth considering. And again, not that anyone should change their mind, but I think we need to step back and look at the broader uh, implications here and take everything into consideration and making, uh, making our mind up on this issue again. Uh, Phil Regal, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Good Thank talk. you. So we were uh, talking about this story, uh, I think, yesterday on the program. We uh, brought it up, and you might have uh, heard this in the news. Uh, there were some pretty devastating tornadoes that rolled through North Carolina earlier this month. And you think, why is that news that we should be concerned about? I mean, it's terrible, and, and you know, we feel for the people there, but uh, why is this news here? Well, because among the uh, facilities that were damaged was a facility uh, owned by Pfizer, the uh, drug manufacturing, and uh, it was completely wiped out, and that led the company to warn about possible hospital-grade medication shortages. So that obviously gets the attention of everyone nationwide, and we wondered how long before any supply disruption becomes something critical that we have to uh, worry about. Dr. Bill Coase is with us, Blanchard Valley Health System, and uh, it's almost like a, a flashback. We uh, seemed, if I recall, talked about this supply chain issues and lack of medications and so on during the pandemic and, and all of that, and you know, this sounds rather disturbing. 
Well, it, it is um, because each of the different, let's say, pharmaceutical groups make different kinds of things. So it's mm-hmm. not like there's lots of different avenues of where things can be yeah. obtained. Now, this was a big warehouse where it also stored a lot of the ingredients, my understanding, that would be used to make things. But, yes, um, some of the narcotics, the blood thinners, a lot of things we may see. Anesthetics, uh, fentanyl, other kind of medications that are... When we say fentanyl, well, we're talking about hospital Hospital fentanyl, fentanyl yeah. <laughs> Street-grade well, fentanyl. But, yeah, uh, people may be buying it off the street. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, especially if... You know, when I look at the, the anesthesia uh, medication is the right. the first one that grabbed my attention. And I'm thinking, you know, that's that's fairly important for a for a hospital setting. Um, how how critical is this in the uh, near term and how long before it becomes and something? We're, and we're not sure. Now, we are in good supply right now, although okay. every day on our huddle, we go through all the drugs that we don't have as far as supplies. In those kind of cases, there are other medications that can be used. Now, they may not be as quick, effective, expensive, that sort of thing. But in general, we're able to... So there are workarounds. Yeah, that would be the best way to word word it. Uh, We had three months or so ago the cisplatinum, uh, those kind of medications, which was a little bit more critical because those were already on regimes. They are proven the best medication for certain kinds of cancer and people either to get started or to continue. But even with those, we can find medications that have been used in trials that may, at least on the paper, on paper, don't look as quite as effective. You were mentioning that this is only one piece of the puzzle. There are a number of medication shortages that are uh, concerning to the medical community right now. Right. It's medications and it's also just basic supplies, getting things that, well, people might think about a medication, normal saline that we use. Uh, some of those are, and there's multiple reasons why this has occurred. Sometimes it's lack of them being able to get supplies. Sometimes it's just not worth the cost about what's going on. But when you don't have lots of distributors that are making an ad, and it's it's also an international community. Uh, we've relaxed rules because of this in Pfizer, my understanding, that uh, we'll be able to get some of the ingredients from China that had been stopped because of our trade, let's say, trade relationships mm, and what right. our what our things are so it yeah it can get really scary but we we go through this blood's another one we don't have enough of well blood is uh blood is one of the uh one of those things and we frequently talk about the fact that we need donors and again it's not a question in the case of blood of not being able to get the supplies from a company this is you know a a, a different thing uh but worth mentioning well uh, especially this time of year it's just that we need at at the the supply chain level at the hospital we have a full department that are looking for those kind of things about mm-hmm. what's going to happen. And we are concerned about this. That's not, I don't want to minimize that at all is that, uh, we've got, we've been busy at the hospital, a lot of inpatients, anesthetics, you talked about narcotics, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Uh, we've got to have enough to be able to take care of people. So with respect to these, uh, supplies and medications specifically, is it a, is it a larger problem with the system? I mean, excuse me, the manufacturing and the distribution system? I mean, is there some underlying problem that's that's bigger than one tornado destroying one facility? In well, I, I would say because there's so many different reasons that uh, 
that probably there is some things that could be tweaked and could be done differently. Um, trying to have price controls, what the government's trying to do. The pharmaceutical companies obviously don't care much for that. There's a lawsuit related to it. I think overall, though, it's probably about as good a system as what we're going to get. It would be nice if some of these places that there were more than one, but you can see why people would want to centralize what they'd want to do to be making one drug. There's also the quality control. You, you don't want just lots of people making this, and that becomes a burden about looking at things. <clears throat> we have learned to deal with it. Uh, right now, in no major crisis, I would say. So I wouldn't be in favor of a lot of different new kind of rules to be able to do things. But that's just personal opinion. So uh, so this the long and short of it with this particular story, uh, again, mm-hmm. regarding this speci- uh, yes. specific facility, uh, facility in North Carolina that's been making headlines uh, here, it is uh, a concern but not an immediate crisis. No, and I, and I read last night that one of the uh, one of the – recommendations is for hospitals to stockpile well we go back to covid and toilet paper you know if everybody then you're not you're not going to have problems that's that's what i think and and we're we're looking forward ahead of this it is a little more difficult for independent let's say smaller hospitals always to be able to get things because uh, bigger groups have been able to stockpile and being able to move things around but again I, i don't see it as a crisis that we're going to have problems we're going to have to be telling people in fairness to pfizer though they did tell us that this may become a problem you need to be thinking about it what are you going to substitute for sure yeah and then also where are you going to get your supplies is it as simple from the from the hospital standpoint is is as simple as picking up the phone and calling a different supplier and we're doing that all the time yeah and part of it is also price because you know when you when there's rationing or there's not enough prices really go up we don't get reimbursed that gets into another thing we don't get reimbursed for just if we pay one dollar for it we can't just say that we're going to charge a dollar 25 or whatever our markup is and so okay this gets expensive uh subsidizing something so a lot of different puzzle pieces in the entire healthcare system that uh come together uh, yeah, it's a, it's like one what one piece of a different puzzle that just won't fit in any of the uh, any of the uh, yeah yeah uh, interesting stuff uh, yeah. behind the scenes. But again, the bottom line is for right now, it's not something that people need to be concerned about. That that would be our opinion. Yes, and we'll mention again with respect to the blood. We're talking about oh, shortages of other things, right? Uh, I know the Red Cross uh, this week put out a, uh, a call for as many donors uh, as right. possible. And we've talked about it before. This is a tough time for, you know, summertime. It is. It is. We have a blood drive next week and we only have about a third of the people that usually that will donate. So yeah. now we still got another week. Uh, o positive bloods needed platelets are always needed yeah so i put a plug in for that encourage people to uh, get out and give blood when they can and yeah. uh, again dr bill coast blanchard valley health system thanks very much for dropping by we appreciate always it. always good to see you chris you're listening to good mornings with chris oaks on 1330 wfin wfin.com and 95.5 fm we interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert a naked man is wreaking havoc in an apartment complex in East Hollywood, California. <laughs> is it just me, or have there been an unusually large number of naked man stories in the broken news of late? <laughs> 
Well, it is very hot around the country, so maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. People, people going all natural to uh, beat the heat. Maybe that's it. I don't know. Uh, it says here, a naked man is wreaking havoc at an apartment complex in East Hollywood, leaving residents on edge and demanding action. According to local news reports, witnesses have reported seeing the unclothed intruder brandishing a knife as he roams around the complex on Serrano Avenue, attempting to break into people's apartments. Maybe he's just trying to get into the air conditioning. You think about that? It's been very hot. Uh, Fearing for their safety, tenants have resorted to carrying pepper spray and tasers, turning the once peaceful apartment complex into a scene from an action movie um (laughs) uh apparently the bizarre drama originated from one tenant's psychiatric episode uh leading to the naked marauder's relentless quest to find her it's like a dystopian uh dystopian reality uh movie like playing itself out well it is hollywood i guess it's hollywood Management of the apartment complex has attempted to beef up security with new locks and gate codes, but residents remain skeptical, questioning whether any of this will deter the bold nudist intruder. (laughs) Stay tuned. Um, This is uh, Cheshire County. I want to say, well, hang on just a second. Let me see if I can. If I can call this up real quick and find out where this is. Um, New Hampshire. New Hampshire. I was thinking this was down south. Cheshire County, New Hampshire. A jaw-dropping car chase unfolded in Cheshire County as a 12-year-old girl allegedly took her father's Chevy pickup for a high-speed joyride through several towns. The Winchester Patrol... Uh, Involved in the pursuit, described it as a dangerous situation. Fortunately, no injuries occurred. Dashcam footage captured by the trailing driver showed a dramatic scene with multiple police vehicles tailing uh, the reckless truck. The young driver veered off the road, even ventured into oncoming traffic, leaving witnesses in on, obviously concerned for public safety. Candace uh, Connell, who captured the video of this uh, huge chase, uh, expressed her fear as she witnessed the truck's erratic movements, narrowly avoiding a pedestrian during the chase. However, she commended the police's composed response dealing with the situation to safely end the chase. Law enforcement deployed spike strips uh, in Winchester, successfully puncturing the truck's tires and bringing the uh, harrowing adventure to a close. The daring girl then fled into nearby woods, but was swiftly apprehended. The entire chase lasted about a half hour. Uh, no harm to anyone involved. Following the incident, the girl was placed in protective custody before being released to her parents. Now, that's the part that I don't understand. She was released back to her parents, which kind of kind of was the problem to begin with. She stole her father's father's truck, but the just give it back to the parents. Kind of asking for that to happen again, aren't you? Speaking of children behaving badly. A 16-year-old girl has been arrested for setting a couch on fire at a hotel in Ocala, Florida. The 16-years-old set a couch on fire at the hotel. It happened early yesterday morning at the Hilton Ocala. Uh, Police say that after a fight with her mom, the teen, 
was visiting teen and her family visiting from Illinois. The uh, teen girl allegedly committed an act of arson. It is unclear what got the girl so heated. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, teenagers fight with their parents, but not all of them go and set furniture on fire at a hotel. The uh, damage to the hotel is estimated to be a couple hundred thousand dollars, according to Ocala police. Thankfully, no one injured and hotel guests were able to return to their rooms the same morning. The investigation is ongoing. That's got to be a pretty dramatic fight with a... Again, this is what teenagers do. Setting fire to the sofa. Now, that is a vacation adventure that you won't soon forget. Speaking of trips that you won't soon forget, passengers on a British Airways flight uh, had a really interesting uh, incident happen. Apparently, uh, those aboard the 12-hour flight from the Caribbean to London on British Airways, apparently uh, they could not be served the regular meals that 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 had been promised or had been planned because... The carts, the meal carts on the plane were not chilled properly. And so the food basically went bad or there were concerns the food uh, will have will have spoiled because they weren't food was not refrigerated. So they discarded all of the regular food and the flight crew had to find an alternative. (laughs) So they ordered buckets of KFC. Our team sprung into action to make sure our customers had something to eat, according to a spokesperson for British Airways. Uh, video footage shows the crew handing out one, one uh, chicken, um, one piece of chicken per passenger, uh, straight from the familiar KFC buckets, <laughs> and go up and down the aisles in the plane, handing out KFC right from the bucket. Passengers also did receive a voucher uh, upon landing uh, to be applied to a a future trip. Uh, The airline said we had to wing it on this occasion. Pun intended, I think. (laughs) Oh, it's a barrel of fun. Isn't that what the uh, old slogan was? Finger licking good on the uh, British Airways. (laughs) Flight. Well, kudos for the uh, quick thinking there. Nothing else. And finally, in the uh, broken news this morning, how far would you go to save your pet? An English woman rescuing her runaway parrot found herself stranded on the side of a cliff in Snowdonia. Uh, apparently, she had been letting her parrot, uh, her parrot fly uh, with a group of other parrot owners. Um, and you know, if you have a pet bird, it needs exercise and exercise for birds means flying. And, uh, so, uh, they, this group of bird owners gets together and, uh, they let their parrot, their parrots fly. And generally parrots are pretty good about returning to their, their owners. But in this case, a falcon, uh, appeared and scared this woman's bird away from the rest of the flock. Uh, the owner tracked her pet to some high cliffs uh, and when she tried to retrieve her parrot, she herself got strand- got stranded on the cliff. The Ogwen Valley Mountain Rescue Team had to be called in to rescue the woman and her parrot, which, when they caught up with her, was perched on her shoulder 
and greeted rescuers with a simple, Hello! <laughs> so the bird was just chatting up the rescuers, Hello! As if nothing was wrong. Uh, both the woman and her parrot were returned, uh, were rescued safely. So, story with a happy ending. Hello! There you go. That is uh, today's broken news. Just uh, some stories here, the odd and unusual side uh, of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. WFIN needs your help to stuff the bus with school supplies for needy students in our area. Go to WFIN.com for donation information. Bring your donation to the Yellow School Bus at the Tiffin Avenue McDonald's in Finley. Thursday and Friday, July 27th and 28th from 6 a.m. to 7 p.m. And Saturday, July 29th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. School supply registration forms are required and can be accessed at cchsupport.org. Stuff the Bus, brought to you by McDonald's and 1330 WFIN. I know what you're thinking. Wait, it's not Friday. I wish. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, it is not Friday. Uh, The reason that my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio once again on a Thursday morning is because we are going to be at McDonald's on Tiffin Avenue for our Stuff the Bus collection drive tomorrow morning. So the show will be originating from uh, Mickey D's. We've got uh, a lot of other things that we'll need to be taken care of. So we'll be otherwise preoccupied. But uh, we didn't want to let the week go without another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And so my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio on a Thursday. On a Thursday. How about that? Yay. Uh, So uh, this week's uh, theme, we have a a theme again this week. Yep. And it is fresh from the garden. And this is about the uh, time of the year when you start to uh, get some stuff. from the the, yummy stuff coming off the the garden. garden. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So uh, these are fresh from the garden recipes, things that you can make with those uh, goodies that you are starting to harvest yep. from your backyard garden. And we begin with a zucchini pizza casserole. Yep. And, the, and this is another healthy recipe. Um, so it's two cups of grated zucchini, one egg, a fourth cup of Parmesan cheese grated, uh, a half a teaspoon of Italian seasoning, a quarter teaspoon of pepper, a quarter teaspoon of onion powder, a half a tablespoon of olive oil, half of a bell pepper chopped, a quarter cup of onion chopped, one and a half tablespoons of minced garlic, a half a pound of ground beef, one cup of marinara sauce, two teaspoons of Italian seasoning, and that's that you'll find out why I've got Italian seasoning in there twice. Okay. And then, that's not a typo. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And then one cup mozzarella cheese shredded. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees, grate your zucchini, and then drain the excess moisture. I do it in a paper towel. Um, if you've got a strainer that you can do it with or whatever, you just need to get that moisture off of okay. the zucchini. All right. Um, and then uh, put that into a mix mixing bowl. Add your egg, your Parmesan, cheese, your black pepper, your onion powder, and a half a teaspoon of your Italian seasoning. Press the mixture into a lightly greased 8 by 8 baking pan and bake that for 20 minutes. Okay. While that's baking, then heat your oil in a large skillet over medium heat, saute your onion, your bell pepper, 
and then um, and let that the onions are going to get kind of translucent. Uh, add the garlic. Cook for another minute or so. Add your ground beef and cook that thoroughly. Um, once that's all cooked. Um, and then uh, stir in your marinara sauce and one tea, and then the other teaspoon of Italian so seasoning. You get the other correct. Uh, yes, Italian so, seasoning. Yeah. Okay. So remove the zucchini crust from the oven. Then spread your sauce mixture evenly on top. Then sprinkle with your mozzarella cheese and your remaining. Then the rest of your Italian seasoning <laughs> comes the Italian yep, seasoning. There's your. If and you then, don't like Italian seasoning, yeah, you could probably delete yeah, at least could. one oh, of those. Yeah, you could. You could um, delete all of it. I mean, if you don't yeah. like Italian seasoning, I mean, it's not it's not critical no. for the if recipe. You like it's basil flavor. better. You oh, can do okay. basil. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's an idea. Yep. All so right. bake for an additional 20 minutes. Let it cool for about five minutes and then enjoy. You're ready to go. The yep. zucchini pizza casserole. Yes. Uh, to go along with that, we have a cucumber cream cheese spread. Yes. So this is for your uh, fresh cucumbers out mm-hmm. of your out of your garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, peeled and cut into chunks. Uh, then three green onions. An eight ounce block of cream cheese, softened to room temperature, a teaspoon of Worcestershire sauce, and a quarter teaspoon of no salt seasoning. Or if you have a favorite seasoning, garlic seasoning, anything like that, mm-hmm. you can put that in it. So, but kind your, of along along those lines. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So okay. add your cucumber to a food processor. Trim away the roots from your onions. Cut into slices and place that in the food processor. Cover and uh, process until uh, coarsely chopped. Uh, don't overprocess it because then it'll just become mush. Add your cream cheese, <laughs> your sauce, and your seasoning. Um, mix that together. Um, cover that back up and process just for a little while longer and then transfer to a bowl and refrigerate overnight and that will make all those flavors Again, blend together. because you yes. are putting that in the fridge yes. overnight. Overnight. And it'll just make those... It'll sort of yes. marinate together. Yes, and then you can enjoy it with uh, crackers or veggies. So, uh, again, a recipe you don't even have to uh, turn on the oven right. for. correct. So, uh, and then for dessert, we have uh, hot chocolate zucchini bread. Yes. So if you have a, a zucchini that you haven't used yes. for your... Uh, pizza sometimes, casserole. Well, sometimes those bigger zucchinis are hid kind of the bottom of your uh, of your garden, and the bigger zucchinis are not as as great for cooking or for stir frying and that type of stuff because they're okay. so big. So you can shred them and make zucchini bread. Zucchini bread. Yes. And this is a hot chocolate yes. zucchini yes. bread. So one cup of all-purpose flour, a half a cup of sugar, a quarter cup of brown sugar, one teaspoon of baking soda, a half a tablespoon of cinnamon, a quarter teaspoon of cayenne pepper. There's your hot. hot. A half a uh, half a teaspoon of salt, two large eggs, quarter cup of vegetable oil, one tablespoon of vanilla, one cup of zucchini grated, three-fourths cup of chocolate chips, and one tablespoon of cinnamon and sugar. So preheat your oven to 350 degrees, grease an 8 by 4 loaf pan with shortening, and coat that, the bottom of your pan, ah, with the cinnamon and sugar. Okay. You don't have to do that, but it is really, really good. I and promise you. I, I would imagine. 
imagine does that uh, does that form a bit of a a little bit of a crust, a little bit of a crust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. But it's okay. it's really good. Mm. I I, I yeah, promise that sounds, you. That sounds yep. great. Combine flour, sugar, baking soda, cinnamon, the, your cayenne pepper, your salt, your egg, your oil. Combine that all together in your vanilla in a medium bowl. Then add your zucchini and mix that up together. And with this recipe, you do not need to drain your zucchini once you shred it because that that okay. water that's, yeah. uh, that moisture that's in your zucchini you want to keep because that is part of the the bread yeah kind of so, holds yes. it all together yes so add your chocolate chips uh mix until just combined pour into the prepared pan bake uh for 50 to 60 minutes or until a toothpick toothpick comes out clean or you can do your fingerprint in the middle and if it pops yeah, up you're right. good to go cool in your pan for about five minutes then remove from the pan cool on a wire rack and then enjoy i tell you it, and it will make yeah. the house smell delicious yes, yes it is it's so good <laughs> yeah it just smells good yeah. it's one of those yeah you, there are some recipes you know they're gonna be good because yeah. they just smell yeah. good i had to i had to put the rest of ours in the freezer because i can't eat it right now well and and i'll make mention of that 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 is oh, one that you can freeze you can freeze so. most definitely okay enjoy it this fall uh, the zucchini pizza casserole, the cucumber cream cheese spread, and then the hot chocolate zucchini bread. Not just your everyday, ordinary, run-of-the-mill zucchini bread. Right. The hot chocolate zucchini bread. Yep. So you got to try this. Those recipes are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, yep. right? So at Kyra's Kitchen, WFIN, is the uh, is the uh, Facebook page. And we've got it linked up at goodmornings.net as well. Make sure that you follow uh, Kyra's Kitchen. Uh, the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page for all of our uh, recipes each and every week and lots of other stuff. And if there's something you want to share. Yeah, good garden recipe if you have something. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you know, now's the time. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, And uh, if you tweak a recipe, maybe, uh, certainly you can share that that in the the comments. Yep, I do it all the time. I like tweaking recipes. Uh, You can share your photos Mm -hmm. of your uh, recipes that you have tried and how they've come out. You can make a request or a suggestion whatever whatever again yep. it's all uh, at kyra's kitchen wfin uh, on facebook and uh, my wife kyra thanks very much you're welcome and with that we'll wrap up our podcast for today i want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program of course and remember you can get more information on all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage goodmornings.net as we mentioned coming up tomorrow we will be on location the annual Stuff the Bus school supplies campaign. What we want to do is help send area kids in need back to school with everything they need to start the new year off right. Hoping the entire community will step up to the challenge and help us do that. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.